Hello, everybody. The only evidence that Matt Waters still exists on the internet is back. It's Mike and Matt's Excellent Adventures. Uh, we are on episode six. Who would have thought we'd make it this far? Uh, and there's only going to be like eight to ten, so we're actually on the closing stretch, and I'm kind of sad about it. Mike, how do you feel? I think it's like nine to twelve, because there's nine movies. Yeah, okay, fine. And we got some bonus episodes. Yeah, alright. Well, we just came off talking about uh, a return to form with X-Men First Class, and today we are going to have to talk about a... I mean, it's not as bad as The Last Stand or Origins Wolverine, but it's not very good, and it is just simply called The Wolverine. So it is uh, one of the few that doesn't have X-Men in the title, and uh, it's it's boring. Yeah, it's um, we literally just watched this movie like in the last two to three hours each, I think, and it's uh, it's really boring. It, yeah, like Last Stand and Origins Wolverine are fascinating, and how bad they are. This one was just boring. Um, and I think they actually had a lot of good ideas on paper, which I guess we can get into, but honestly, this movie's pretty boring. Yeah, <laughs> like how on paper you make a film about a man with knives on his hand fighting ninjas. Boring, I don't know. Well, first off, you make it really dour. Yes. Just make it as dour as humanly possible, because we wouldn't want to have fun at a superhero movie. And then fill it with boring or stereotypical or one-note characters. Yeah. All right. And inexplicable t- plot twists. And like they, it's not even like they do a good job of setting up future movies, so you can't even like lean on that. Like If anything, they just make it kind of more confusing mm. and make it harder for them. Like, there's like... I mean, like, this movie is... is uh, I mean, for those who don't know, it's more of a sequel to The Last Stand than a sequel to the Wolverine prequel, which is, that was a good decision. Yes. Um, it somewhat bridges the gap between, it kind of sets the stage, I'd say, not bridges the gap, sets the stage for X-Men Days of Future Past in, like, a few subtle ways. But if you would think that the primary job of that would be to set Wolverine up for that moment, it just makes it more confusing. It doesn't actually do anything to actually set him up. If anything, you're just like, wait a second, how did he end up there? What? 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 what, what? And, um, yeah. Uh, do you have a, a plot summary? Should we explain what happened in this movie? Yeah, I've, I've got one of those. Uh, I wrote one out and then thought, this sounds like a way more fun movie than I know it is. Um, so as you said, it is not a, another prequel this is a sequel this is at present the most uh the latest in the timeline uh and it all actually begins in 1945 which is not the present uh wolverine saves the life of a japanese soldier in nagasaki continuing the trend established in origins wolverine where we are seeing x-men in real world events and wolverine of course can survive it because of his and it's, powers. But remember- it's I mean, like literally a nuclear bomb survives a nuclear bomb. Well, wow, kind of, yeah. That, that's a nuclear bomb. It is, but I mean, he's not like right and in the middle what, of it. I mean, he is so powerful that not only he can survive it, but he can block anything coming through it for the most part and save someone else. That's like true. people were not being saved by being like a story underneath the ground <laughs> during for a nuclear. As far as I know. Uh, but well, speaking I'm, of. Th- 
Speaking of things I did not know, I actually did not know that we knew for sure that there were confirmed uh, allied POWs on Nagasaki when we dropped the bomb, or Hiroshima. So that's that's, that's an added layer of fucked up to, when it comes to dropping the bomb. Well, he's uh, only Canadian, so... But, like, I mean, like, there's a whole host of POWs there. <laughs> yeah, there are. Uh, and no Sabretooth, even <laughs> though we saw in the canon they were together until after Vietnam, so... And what's weird, I, I wouldn't know this, I don't, I'm not an expert in military history for sure, but we know for a fact they were in Europe, I think on D-Day, right? Like, we yeah. saw footage of them on D-Day, so that's 1944. Mm-hmm. How, many, how many soldiers were transferred to Japan between 1944 and 1945? Now, if, granted... If I came out with an answer, you would be stunned, wouldn't you? <laughs> and I'm not saying it as it's impossible, I'm saying is. If any of the five people listening know that answer, please let us know in the comment section because there you go. Uh, I mean, like you can like twist it and conform it, like oh, maybe he like he was he wasn't following orders, he went on his own, maybe he abandoned Saber Tooth there or something like that, and went to Japan. It's just does, for someone who seems so like by that point, based on the montages we've seen, a little bit like tired of war, like that doesn't really hold up. No. Yeah. Um, well, I think the realistic answer is they were just ignoring Origins Wolverine already, which is for the best. Which is for the best. <laughs> yes. Which is absolutely for the best. All right, so uh, he does that in 1945. Cut to the present, i.e., a few years after X Men: The Last Stand. Uh, Logan is living in the Yukon, I believe, with a gnarly beard, long hair, just full-on wild man living in the wilderness, saying "What's up" to bears, you know. Uh, and- he- which means at some point since the last stand where he we last see him looking super duper happy because everything is fixed, I guess, he has gone in the complete opposite direction of whatever emotion he was feeling that day. Yes, and uh, we see him having multiple dreams about Jean Grey, uh, who is almost taunting him. Uh, but it is his subconscious. This isn't real, Gene. Let's point that out right now. Uh, and he's like vowed not to kill anyone anymore and yeah, uh, he almost gets breaks that vow immediately because some dudes kill a bear, and obviously that's not cool with Wolverine as he is an animal himself. Uh, but he is stopped by Yukio, who is an associate of the soldier he saved all those years ago, uh, and he's invited to Japan to say goodbye to him and and receive a repay the debt of saving his life and blah blah blah. Uh, he goes. This man wants to medically take his healing power and heal himself with it, which we'll talk about that in a bit. And also he perceives that Logan doesn't want to be alive anymore, so he's trying to offer him freedom from that. Uh, He says no. There's a big crazy plot. uh, This man dies. Uh, There's a big plot for sort of ownership of the company and his son and his granddaughter, Mariko, who... Uh, Logan saves from Yakuza assassins and they run off together and obviously fall in love because it's Logan. Uh, his healing factor breaks because of a little robot spider attached to his heart. Um, she gets kidnapped anyway. He figures out who's behind it. Blah, blah, blah. Gets his powers back. Goes, fights many ninjas, boringly somehow, uh, and confronts the person behind all this, which is the presumed dead Yashida. Uh, the soldier he saved, who is not dead. He is in a big giant suit of adamantium that keeps him alive. They fight, he cuts Logan's claws off, and then he starts extracting his healing power directly from his bone marrow and starts to become young again, but Mariko stabs him in the neck and 
Logan throws him from a very high height and he dies. And then Logan leaves for no real reason because he's got nowhere to go. But him and Yukio go off on a plane to do who even knows what for two years. And then when he comes back to America in a post-credits or mid-credits scene, we see uh, him get confronted by Magneto and Xavier who warn him of an impending danger. Doesn't that sound somewhat more interesting than the actual film is? No. No. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I mean, a little bit. The film's very not interesting. So I, I'll say this. It's a better Hugh Jackman performance than Origins or Last Stand. Yep. It's a, li- it's a little bit closer to form. Although what I did quickly I'd, uh, recognize after this movie is that of the six X-Men films where Wolverine has had a large role, the only three that I really truly enjoyed him, uh, Brian Singer was directing the movie. So there's probably something to that. Um, I think Brian Singer has a better understanding of Wolverine than anyone else at this point. Yeah, uh, even with how uh, how deeply Hugh Jackman has thrown himself into it, like he's he's bigger uh-huh. he's bigger than ever this time, and he'd been wanting to do Japan for years and years, and he's finally done it. Japan. <laughs> yeah, so this comes in a post Avengers world. That's why yeah, I was gonna say it was. So there's two. We did the history of comic books each time, and in 2013. You're dealing with several couple things, a few things going on. One, uh, the Avengers just came out and was pretty much a phenomenon and made everyone think, it has made almost everyone forget about how poor Marvel had been doing so far in terms of making quality movies. And now Marvel seems pretty untouchable, despite the fact that in 2013 they would release two pretty mediocre movies in uh, Iron Man 3 and Thor 2. But, so, but regardless, Marvel's kind of on top of the world at this point. And they've kind of set the standard for what to expect from movies, like for like this kind of movie, um, for better or worse, whether or not that's what. So, and then at the same time, the the other two competing studios when it comes to comic book movies, we Sony and, and Warner Brothers this time, Dark Knight Rises comes out in 2012 to decidedly mixed reviews, uh, and uh, the very divisive movie, but it's over. Uh, the Amazing Spider Man is released and it kind of makes everyone go, what are we doing? So this is kind of a critical moment for X-Men and Fox. They have to kind of nail this. Like they can't afford to waste any more time. Um, and they neither provide a satisfying movie in a bubble, nor do they, are they able to build the franchise out so that it feels satisfying in other ways. Like Marvel right now has so much credibility that like, even if a movie doesn't really work, tremendously people are gonna be like hey it's a still marvel movie the story is continuing like they're making every movie into like a two-hour episode of a long-running tv show which like there's ways to find that satisfying Uh, x-men does not have that right now and movies like this sort of reason why like it's just you can't under you can't try to do the big expansive universe thing and just have a bunch of things that don't make any sense that don't line up like, why does this movie end with Wolverine not having Adamantium on his claws if in the next movie he's going to have Adamantium on his claws? Like, we know that's not a simple process. But <laughs> like, Magneto why... is his friend now, so... I mean, yeah, but that's the point, though. It's like, they just... 
rather like they don't commit to that and they're not making a good movie so it's just it's like it's what we talked about like these mistakes seem more important when you have bad movies yeah like why even cut them off like yeah if you're and if you're just gonna cut them off why put them back on if putting them back on was such a non-thing yeah uh anyway so this story i there was a point when you were reading the doing the recap that i thought was i almost cut you off but i didn't want to do it again when he goes to say goodbye to quote unquote friend who seemed like a person he may have known for maybe seventy two hours, seventy years ago. Not to, to That's the, more than long enough for him to fall in love, we know this. That is for sure. That is for sure. Um But he doesn't really seem to have any great attachment to the man. He kinda seems like he's kinda like guilted and into going to say goodbye to him. Anyway, he declines to give up his powers to the man. Reasonable decision. And, you know, we, he wakes up and his powers are gone. And then the plot from there to get from that point until the final confrontation is just one giant clusterfuck of twists that don't make any sense, character turns that don't make any sense. You just go from scene to scene to scene, and by the time you get to the end, you're just like, what the fuck was that? Like, how did any of those scenes make sense or build to this moment? Yeah, it, it's truly bizarre. Like, the, if the grand plot here is take his powers by force, how does anything that happens between yes. then and the end contribute to that? I know that it's his son that had the plot to try and kill Mariko, so the assassins that are trying to get them, that's all fine. But the stuff that's happening with Viper and Harada trying to, like, steal her away, steal Mariko away, I mean, I guess to lure Wolverine after her... If the Viper was that powerful, uh, the Viper, by the way, is Poison Ivy, who has been borrowed for uh, the X Men franchise. Um, <laughs> if, if like if she's like that powerful, manipulative, why are they bothering to do this convoluted scheme to make all this happen? Why do they need the granddaughter there at the end? Why? <sighs> yeah, like they could have just kidnapped. Like she, she puts this spider in, in Logan's mouth that attaches itself to his heart and somehow suppresses his healing factor for no real reason that I can think of. Like, are they trying to kill him? They need his power. Um, if they could, if she could do that, why didn't she just sort of kidnap him and do what they were going to do? And it's not like doing that took his power, so why Why was that done? Well, it... Yeah, I, when I first saw it, I thought that this spider was... Because there were two that Logan sees in Jaws, and I assumed the other one was in uh, Yashda, and that it was just... They were, like, connected, and it was draining his power, but in watching again, I think it actually is just there to suppress his powers. And also, he takes, like, a shotgun blast to the stomach at one point. Like, without well, his powers, that's the end. They're not off, they're just not working at full strength because he takes a lot of stuff that should, like, derail him and it just sort of... But why are they trying to derail him? I don't know. Like, if if the if the plot with the Yakuza going after Manako is not what uh, Yashida wants, then why are they, like... They should be trying to help keep Wolverine alive because they need him. <laughs> Okay, so I'm trying. I'm trying to. This is. I guess this is the idea. Is that Yashida, Wolverine's friend from Nagasaki, knows that his own son is is trying to make a play for the company, right? Yep. And it seems like the simplest way to prevent that from happening is just to keep Yashida alive. 
So when we find out that he's been alive all along, none of this makes any sense. No. Right? Because if he's just alive, then his son can't do anything. Also, he could kill his son. Yes. Like, he's clearly, like, does not care about him. No. That's not... Like, their relationship is broken to too large of a degree. Yeah, like, he, he's named Mariko the successor to the company, so that's why he starts trying to kill his own daughter. Uh, but, I mean, why do any of this if you're just going to end up still being alive? Why don't you just kill your son if you think he's a threat and just steal Wolverine's power while he's sleeping in your house? Yeah. Now, uh, let's say he thought it was too dangerous to try to openly kill his son. Uh, or not openly, but, like, to... Let's like whatever. Let's let's just say he thought that was impractical somehow. Even though like, all those ninjas totally take yeah. out all his men at the end. Yeah. Let's let's just accept that for what it is. Okay. Was his plan that so he decided that the best way to get Wolverine to his facility to complete this transaction was to put his granddaughter in the middle uh, at his funeral in this giant death trap and use Wolverine and his step, his gr- grandson, stepson. Who's the guy who shoots arrows? Harada. Uh, that's sort of, he's the head of the ninjas that works. Is he for like, him. like an unofficial adopted grandson of, yeah, he used to go out with Mariko. Okay. 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 Yeah. There we go. Well, he's there to so, protect her. The people that try yes. and attack her are the Yakuza who are working. So for her he father. was hoping, he was hoping that Legolos and, <laughs> And Wolverine would save the granddaughter, yes. get her away safely, yes, and then that would allow the Viper to eventually kidnap, or no, that would allow Legolos to eventually kidnap the granddaughter. Well, I and- think. Well, I guess they suppressed Wolverine's powers so they could take him more easily. Because when him and Marika are on the run, Harada and Viper are like actively looking for them. So I guess they thought if they suppressed his powers, they'd be able to get him more easily. But he still has claws and shit. But why if if he they're able to put a robot spider in his heart, why not just like knock him out like with some poisonous sleeping gas, whatever the fuck, and bring him there? Uh, those don't work on him. He heals. Why not use the metal technology you had to trap him to keep him? Like, there you wh- go. I, I don't know. It's... I, I just it, it's so convoluted, and by the time it all unravels, you're like that. You're you're so confused by it that it's imp- nearly impossible to be invested in the the final battle, which is a long final battle and not particularly exciting. Yeah, and they they feel the um, need to make the suit like giant because the like it's it's meant to be evocative of the Silver Samurai, who is a famous Wolverine villain, uh, and he is you know normal sized. And, like, they instead make it this sort of robotic, almost, like, giant thing, which takes a lot of the the sting out of it. Like, I'd be all for watching an actual samurai kick Logan's ass in a fight, because that's what happened in... Like, this is based on the, the, the sacred Wolverine in Japan arc, where Logan goes there, and despite all his powers, he gets his ass handed to him. Japan. Love Japan. There you go. <laughs> Um, he gets his ass handed to him because he's not trained like they are and he's not disciplined and he learns and blah blah blah. That would be fine. Instead we have Wolverine fighting a giant robot thing. 
and it's it's so long and it's dull and vipers off shedding skin and stuff and i i just don't understand why the plot was so convoluted i don't understand how it helped the movie at all you know you're not making the usual suspects you're making a guy with metal claws fighting ninjas yeah how do you fuck that up that sounds amazing i yes i was actually i i, I try not to rewrite movies like that because it's super obnoxious but i was like okay they had two goals, which was to quietly build to Days of Future Past and to tell a Wolverine story that was kind of separate from everything else. These are admirable goals for this movie. In fact, a lot of the decisions they make, I think, are good. One, they ignore X-Men Origins Wolverine. They take Wolverine out of his comfort zone to a certain degree. They, It's like it's a Wolverine adventure. They introduce new characters that we otherwise would never see probably in an X-Men movie. All these things are good. What if they did? I this should have been like an unofficial Wolverine Mystique team up movie where if you want to have like some deception, like Mystique kind of lures Wolverine to Japan somehow and she needs him to help her basically, like Magneto's trapped there or something or whatever the fuck. And like Wolverine act inadvertently helps him do that, helps her do that, and Wolverine like conquers some fucking demons or whatever the fuck, like he has to always do. Like, because that would at least make more... Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to think of anything much more clever or appealing to do with this movie um, than what they did. Yeah, I feel they... They did two plots at once and tried to make them fit, and they didn't. Like, either have Mariko get kidnapped and have him fight the Yakuza, or have him fight the Silver Samurai and all the ninjas. Like, they don't slot well. They contradict each other, if anything. They don't work together. Uh, um... And like, like you were saying about Mystique, I was actually thinking, like, I was looking at the cast of this of of this movie, and it's literally just Hugh Jackman. Everyone else is certainly in the Western world, pretty much unheard of. Uh, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata is uh, from The Last Samurai. Yes, um, but you know, in terms of like Hollywood huge stars, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, it's just Jackman. And I'm looking at Viper, and I'm thinking this is a really weird pull for them. <laughs> To like from the comics, like she's loosely tied to the Silver Samurai, who isn't actually in this movie, but I guess that's why they put her in. I think of her more of as an Avengers character than an X Men one, and she's played by Svetlana Chodchenkova. And I, I can only think they just wanted to have another white person in there who speaks English well. And I just thought, why wouldn't you just make this Mystique or someone like? Like so, it didn't have to be someone we know, but just like someone who's actually a character. Yeah, it's just a really weird placement, and she's got all these crazy powers, and you're like, well, why aren't you the villain? <laughs> and she, like, I don't know. It was, um, and she's not very good in it. No, she's really boring and like really nondescript. And this thing is like, Hiroki Sonata is a like you've seen the Last Samurai, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the most char- he out charismas uh, Ken Watanabe and Tom Cruise in that movie. Like he is the most like bad ass fighter dude you've ever seen in a movie that's still like a human being. And how, how do you take all that charisma? And just give us that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did like uh, I'm gonna butcher the name Rila Fukushima uh, Fukushima uh, who played Yukio. I thought she was pretty charming. Yeah, she's I, fun. She's like mischievous little sister type character. Yeah, and I think like that it probably would have been a more effective buddy movie if it was just these two together the entire time. I think they didn't devote enough time to her and the granddaughter to make either of them work really well. 
Yeah, and it doesn't help that like uh, Monaco and Wolverine have zero chemistry, and their love story seems really forced. Like she is his one true love in the comics. Like she tragically is killed and and whatnot. But and so they felt like yeah, yeah, it felt so forced and unearned. Like um... yeah, like they feel they have to put her in here, but I think. I mean, she's really she's not bad, but she's, she's, there's nothing there really between them. Yes. And it just and they're like she's not. They don't make her an active character. Like when she actually kill, like she kills her grandfather, right? Yes, That's, she stabs him. Like, as well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For all intents and purposes, like yes. like that didn't feel like a moment. Like that didn't feel earned at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I I think I don't know. Like, and I don't want to say like, oh, too many. There was it's not that there was like too many women in the movie, but there was too many characters that they did not spend enough time developing and she was one of them uh but like honestly besides yukio i didn't really i didn't find any of the other characters they introduced interesting no i i like ninjas as a concept so i liked that it's a bad fight but just watching the ninjas kick ass near the end i was like yeah but then no. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah I'll, I'll say i did like the fight at the funeral there was a uh for pun not intended an edginess to it there was like it just felt like a much different like than any other fight scene we'd seen in x-men so far um like that felt like there was actual danger like it yeah. just, there was something that was shot very well and then that transitions main fight sequence which is a bit goofy but you know also it was kind of like a breath of fresh air in this very dour movie um i liked him like launching himself claws first using the force yeah. of the train that was pretty badass yeah. but Although I do think there's some, was the Silver Samurai made of adamantium? I kind of started tuning out when I realized we were watching it. Uh, the suit is adamantium, yeah. yeah. Okay, but there's a lot of other metal in the movie that's not adamantium. Yeah. I don't and why? Like I don't understand why Shinjin's sword is so easy. Like I don't understand why Wolverine just doesn't cut through it. I don't know why. If he was like, if you think about like the physics of him using his claws to launch himself on the train. The moment he puts pressure on the train, his claws should cut through it. Um, I mean, maybe Shingen's sword was adamantium as well. If his father is stockpiling it, maybe he has access to it. But yeah. I guess, but like that seems like something that should not be unmentioned. But then she's cla- he's clashing blades with Yukio, so that would mean she would have to have an adamantium sword. <laughs> I don't think there's a ton else we need to talk about. Okay, so they bring they bring back Famke Janssen as Jean Grey and. She basically just exists to haunt Wolverine in his dreams or nightmares. And Wolverine is living in regret about having to kill the nuclear bomb that was the Phoenix. That was destroying the entire um, Alcatraz and probably destroying the world sooner or later after. Um, I guess that's kind of understandable. And it's nice that their relationship is officially entirely in Logan's head in this movie. Like, it's literally only in his head. Um... But still, there's supposed to be like this genuine emotional core there that's supposed to like anchor this movie, and it just it rings false because uh, the Jean Grey Logan stuff's been bullshit. So that was not something to pull on here. That was not earned in any way, and it's just um, it's it's like this huge, huge, huge wart on the X Men movies. They keep like diving back into. I would really hope that everyone watching would, you know, appreciate this is all in his head and that it isn't just... Because, I mean, if you look at how many there are of these films and look at how many of them push this agenda, 
you could see why someone might think this is genuinely like how she would feel that like she wants Logan to come and join her in heaven and whatnot. It's just yeah, it's it's really problematic. And like if you look at his love interests, you have Jean Grey who he invents a relationship with. You have Mariko who just literally is just a frail thing for him to protect and he falls in love with in like less than a day. And then you got Kayla who I mean we don't know the origins there, but she betrayed him and blah blah blah. But yeah, he just comes across as a really weird dude. Yeah, he's a. I'm not, like Wolverine being bad with women seems like something that would happen to Wolverine, but I. Once again, it just when it's all in their in his head, like you're either portraying to be a sociopath or there's actually some emotional or not sociopath, but like some kind of psychopath when it comes to women, or there's actual emotional core there that you're leveraging for pathos in your movie, and it's definitely not the latter. No, <laughs> like. The fact that it's not bad that he's haunted by her because he did kill her, but this idea that they're in love or whatever, like how it, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's like they just need to drop it. And that is kind of like the silver lining of the older X-Men franchise, probably older X-Men characters, probably never getting another big film again is that they never have to explore that again. Yeah. I, that, mean, that, I think it ends the right way in the next movie, but we'll talk about it then. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I hate it. Um, I guess there's, there's two things we need to talk about. Um, we'll tackle one of them first. So, uh, it's directed by James Mangold, uh, who is a perfectly fine director, uh, Walk the Line, etc. Uh, but it was originally going to be Darren Aronofsky who wanted to do this as like an R-rated movie with like extreme violence and sex and stuff. Um, and they were shy from that idea at the time. Fast forward a few years, Deadpool comes out as rated R, huge, huge hit. Wolverine 3 now being talked about as an R-rated movie. Like... Imagine if Aronofsky had gotten his way and we got there quicker and we got a better, more exciting film out of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I think Darren Aronofsky... Ah, Aronofsky is just a more creative director than James Mangold. Like, James Mangold has made some good movies and he's made some okay movies and he's made some bad movies because he's a very workmanlike director. Like, he's not... He doesn't strike me as a director who's going to get more out of a story than that's than it's there. Um, and in this case, it even seems like he got less of it. But yeah, I, Darren Aronofsky, you know, for all any of his faults as a filmmaker, is very creative. And I would, it would have been nice to see someone who actually has their own vision for the story or for the character get a chance to do it. Like, that's why I was crushed. Um, what's his guy? The guy who does the Simon Pegg movies. Uh, what's his name? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Like, that's why I was crushed when he didn't get to do Ant-Man. It's just like, it would be nice to see, like, an actual director get one of these movies and just do something creative with it. Um, and that's kind of like, I feel that's kind of what happened here, is that we had a really creative director, and then we got a workman director, and we have a mediocre movie as a result. Yeah, and, I, I would call him very sort of paint-by-numbers, very just sort of, it's efficient. Like, yeah, not, it's, not, none of it is... To sum up this whole movie, it's not bad, it's boring. Like, it's got a big giant plot hole in it, or several, but, but in the way, in terms of how it's shot, it's all perfectly fine. 
It's yeah, just... like in comparison, The Last Stand and Origins Wolverine barely feel like movies. Like those are like the room near near the level of the room and Troll Two in terms of how bad they come off. This feels like a movie. It just doesn't feel like a very good movie. It's just not uh, very interesting. Um... And I think the other thing we really definitely need to get in is that uh, Magneto and Professor Xavier pop up. Yes, and that was so, my second point. <laughs> that was honestly like the, almost that and Jean Grey were pretty much the only two things that I wanted to bring up in this entire podcast. Um, so we're almost done, people. Um, I don't know how you have a two-minute scene with three great actors and make them seem so uncomfortable with each other. <laughs> like, I just doesn't... Like, why was... I mean, and you know who wrote that scene, right? Your favorite person. Simon Kimber. Simon Kimber. So this is this is the scene. Wolverine is about to get on the plane, and at this at this was the moment they decided Magneto and Xavier decided to reveal themselves. Magneto comes up from behind him and just starts shaking things to get his attention instead of you know talking like a normal human being would do. Wolverine, uh, like, have you also not like? right in that Wolverine smells. I'm like, come on. Like, there's just the basics. Like, where are the, like, the basic stuff when it comes to X? Um, and, uh, he, he puts his bone claws at, at, uh, Magneto, but Charles Xavier shows up. Where's Charles Xavier? You might be wondering. Charles Xavier has already gone through security. He's waiting at a gate somewhere and does the most awkward wheelchair driving I've ever seen a human being do to get around people to get the Logan. Like, do you, like it felt like a mirage. It felt like they green screened him on the wheelchair into the, into the scene. They probably and, did. <laughs> and, and then like they, they, he just talks in like fucking codes and riddles for 30 seconds and they, they cut away. I, why is he in a wheelchair? This is after the last stand. Did he? Did he get his twin, unlucky? Twin bro- his twin brother also but fought it's... apocalypse and has no use of his legs. Why would you pick or... another person who can't use their legs? Well, it's his twin brother. His twin brother. No. Twin bro- why would his twin? <laughs> I know. I always assumed it wasn't a twin brother. It's just any old person, and he was using his powers to make people see him the way they always saw him and he actually looks completely different now thank brett ratner not me i call bullshit on that not the only one with gifts uh uh, and also just like magneto like i don't know they did like some weird makeup it didn't look like magneto it looked like they were trying to like age him since the last one but not so much as days of future past like just it looked really goofy surely real life would have done that like this is several years later (laughs) um but like you know what i'm talking about right like his yeah he looks strange yeah. yeah And it certainly doesn't look like how he looks in Days of Future Past, where he looks, uh, you know, like a human being. I, I don't know how you make. It's it was just such a bad scene. I mean, I and, would explain it by saying that it's. It seemed like it was probably shot in a day, and like they were just sort of thrown together after not working together for a long time. But reading about this, they shot this while they were shooting Days of Future Past, so they should have been like, back on it. I just don't understand. Um, and I guess there's also an end credit scene that we should mention. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yukio gives Wolverine his yellow uh, uniform, which and we it, never 
we never see again. I it looks so much cooler than I ever imagined a Wolverine real film costume looking. Like I always figured they avoided it because it was going to look comically bad. But it's like that looks kind of badass. I'd, I'd like to no, see him wear that. I like to see a Wolverine movie where he wears that, and that does not happen. Um, never happens. And while this movie. I mean, this this they structure this movie basically to be like, you don't need to see it. Nothing here is important. And when you don't have a good movie and you have also that going for you, you really feel like you just wasted your time. I will say when I saw this movie in theaters, uh, that first post-credit, the mid-credit scene where he is approached, I was like, ah, oh, cool, they're going to bring it all back together. But watching yeah. it now, I'm like, oh, this isn't well done at all. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's one of those things where it's like, at that point, like you're so desperate for X-Men to get back on track and to see the return of those two characters properly that you're, like, you're just happy about it, but it's not a good scene. And I think uh, the fact that this comes after Avengers is very telling because obviously that's a big team-up movie and all of the promotion for Days of Future Past would be, you know, look how big this cast is. Um, yeah. So I think that had to be in this to... I mean, Marvel are now making these... You know, all of their films come with post-credit sequences. Some of them actually very important. Uh, so I feel that they feel they have to do that, and then it also is teasing the Avengers-style team up later. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I won't give them too much shit for it, but it's probably one of the few things you could be excited about in theory, and it's terrible. This is actually, in, in fact, the only X-Men movie I did not see in theaters, which is actually kind of crazy. Um, but it's so forgettable and boring, and you don't need it. Yeah, I was kind of excited about it before it came out. Like, all the pre-release material, it used all these cool images, and there's the uh, drawn artwork of him. And... Yeah, like, they had some really good posters for this. Um, it's just a, it's a failure. That's honestly what it comes down to. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same front cover, but the one here, uh, he's holding a, a katana sword in one hand, and he's got his claws in the other. I was like, yeah, that seems cool, but there's none of that. He never uses a sword. I mean, he uses the crazy energy one, but... Yeah. I don't... Um, I think what disturbs me is that they think that this was a success. Well, financially it was. Well, all the X-Men films have been financially successful to a degree. Sure, but this almost, like, made... It made well over three times its budget. Yeah, but it just... This is going to be one of the more financially successful ones. Yeah, but this is just, there has to be someone in there you're going like, you fucked up a lot of things in this movie, don't repeat them in the next one. And what's disturbing is that it feels like they are already. Like, it's definitely not an ensemble piece. Like, like, so right away, they don't recognize that Wolverine should not be, you can call the movie Wolverine all you want, but it should not be just about Wolverine. They already are doing weird things with the timeline, like, why is Logan so old? Why is Xavier not dead? Why? Like, I just, um, there's rumors Mr. Sinister is involved. So we're going to have another Wolverine movie about stealing powers, combining powers, all that bullshit, which is just such a can of worms that you should not introduce in your movies. When you have so few movies, this is not like you're pressuring to come out with 50 comic books a year. Like you don't need to do that stuff. It's dumb. It's goofy. It is, but unfortunately public opinion is that Wolverine is the coolest X-Man, therefore he must have his own movies. Um, but like that's, I mean, that, but that's just like one aspect of the issue. Like, I mean, like, and it, it can't be that hard to make a, a fun movie about Wolverine. 
Yeah, I mean, this could have been a good one. Like, enjoy- all, the, all the pieces are there. Well, I think you need a slightly better card. I think you need some names in here or some better people. Um, Love story. Like, theoretically, this should work. In a broad outline sense. It should, but it doesn't. Uh-huh. Um, so we were talking previously about, oh, the dark days are over. We've got first class now. And then I completely forgot how really boring this is. Uh, obviously, it is better than the two very, very bad ones, but it's another dip. Uh, so we've we've gone up and up, down, down, up and down again. So that's where we are left with the franchise. So I am very much looking forward to our next episode where we'll be covering X-Men Days of Future Past, one of my favorite X-Men movies. Um, but until then, this has been another episode of Mike and Matt's Excellent Adventures. You can find this... Everywhere you can think of, pretty much. You can find it on YouTube with amazing artwork done by our own Mike Thomas. Uh, truly a savant with with Microsoft Paint. Uh, you can find it on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Enter the Real World, on 411 Mania, on Facebook of all things. Uh, so if you could go to the various mediums, subscribe, like, comment, whatever you want to do, uh, as long as it's positive. We will not hear any negative feedback about this podcast from you. How dare you? Uh, but for now, I have been Matt Waters. You can find me at Matt C. Waters on Twitter. He's been Mike Thomas. You can find him at MC Thomas216. MC Thomas216. So, thanks, Wolverine, for going to Japan. Um, woo!